2: All right, comedian Drew Lynch. He's coming to Wichita with his Short King tour. That's uh, Wednesday, March the sixth, at the Orpheum. Drew Lynch joins us. Hey, Drew.
3: Howdy, hey Bob and Jeff and whoever I'm talking
2: to. I got Jason with me today, no Jeff. So you get to talk to uh, a Canadian Thunder, Wichita Thunder hockey guy.
0: Say something, Duda. Some other
2: time, please can i can
4: i, can I uh, that's in? fine no that's fine you and bob just have at her i'll be fine <laughs> i'll just sit here and have a beer and listen to you two
3: <laughs> no ah man he's, so, he even like even he's so even he's so canadian in how he just responded he was just like that's fine with me bud you know no confrontation Ah, oh, he never nice. never I gets can't, worked can't up know, about God. anything i know yeah. it's so frustrating
2: it is americans are worked up all the time uh no pulse that's from right, a right. canadian
4: What's that? Were you guys
2: talking? Right. So, so uh, Drew Lynch joining us, uh, DrewLynch.com. If you'd like to get tickets for the show at the Orpheum, you can also do it at the Orpheum's website. So you made your big mark on America's Got Talent, season 10. You finished as a runner-up that season, and it really gave you a kick in the pants. Tell us about that experience, how you ended up on that show, and what uh, what came from that? What did you gain from being on America's Got Talent?
3: Sure. Well, I really appreciate you bringing up
2: that I lost, Bob. Um, that's, that's hey, second. That's the story of my life. <laughs>
3: no. Yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> um, no, I. You know, it's actually kind of a crazy thing, just because you know, I never wanted to pursue stand-up uh, ever. It was always just kind of something I had admired from afar. I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 20 and that was to pursue acting. And I had actually gained quite a bit of momentum in the, in the, in the first year of living there where I was uh, auditioning for some CBS stuff and Disney stuff. And um, I actually had a uh, freak softball injury um, that year uh, where I had a, TBI and a a concussion from it that messed with my motor skills and the the, the functionality of my, my, like my speech. And um, it, I I stuttered because of it and nobody would represent me anymore as an actor because they didn't want to send in some, some, some actor who was, who didn't have any, you know, couldn't say any of the words. So I wasn't able to do that anymore. And that was such a devastating blow for me at the time that I needed to kind of, find some level of outlet to try and, um, you know, just try and work through whatever was going on with me. And stand up was kind of the perfect medium to be self-deprecating, be self-aware and just kind of, uh, work through, you know, all of my feelings at the time while at the same time, um, having, having people have some level of compassion towards it and, and, um, and letting me know that it's okay to laugh at myself about it, uh, and you know years a few years after that, I ended up on on America's Got Talent, which was an excellent platform for really showing that showing my story and showcasing my 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 stand up and um you know the rest is kind of history
4: well drew I, my family watches America's Got Talent, so I gotta ask you one more question about that when When you're there, how much interaction do you have with the judges? Uh, do they help you out that much or are you basically just kind of on your own? With the whole situation, I know Howie Mandel hit the golden buzzer for you. Um, a comedian himself, good Canadian boy. Did you get a chance <laughs> to sit down and kind of have a chat with him, or just kind of what's the behind-the-scenes stuff like there um, at AGT?
3: Well, first of all, Canadians are able to make somehow the best comedians. I don't know how, but we gotta we gotta say thanks to you guys for for whatever you're doing up there. It's working um as well you should thank you well
2: comedy comes <laughs> yeah. from despair right i think
3: so i think maybe that's what it is when you're bored out in the snow you got to start you got to start developing a personality um, when you
4: can't go outside for six months you don't have nothing else to do drew
3: yeah that's right um but you know what to answer your question it, they're they're not really as hands on i would say as maybe like a show like uh i don't know like maybe what your, your coach like the, the voice i don't really know how that show works or whatever but I'll say that um, they are at least a- around during the competition and how he was so um, – he's still involved quite a bit in my life and in my career, and he's been someone who has just been a huge advocate for me ever ever since the, the very first audition. And um, it, it really kind of is that you're you're developing a lot with the producers of the show, and they run such a tight ship, and they're, they're they know the – The formula for success and they know they want to set you up for success so they want to make sure everybody's as best prepared as they can be before they audition or showcase again and um but the and the judges are 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 present but for the most part they need to kind of remain an imperfect an impartial party uh for when they are actually judging the the performance it is really a reveal to them the first time that you're seeing it. It's the first time they're seeing it as well For um, throughout the rounds of the, of the whole show.
2: Drew Lynch is our guest. He'll be at the Orpheum on March 6th. That's a Wednesday. You can uh, go down and hear Drew and his stand up. Uh, so you mentioned, and I really admire your story because it sounds like you really had your heart set on becoming an actor and that you mentioned you were making really good inroads on making that happen. It's mm-hmm. rare that someone would have uh, this quality of a backup option to turn that disappointment, which I'm sure it has been in some ways, but make the best of it and become a stand up comedian who uh, is, is doing very well. Uh, what, what's your message to people? You know, I work with uh, a lot of kids in an organization I'm involved here uh, with in Wichita. And this is a really inspiring message on top of everything else. Uh, so, what would you tell? What would you tell people about uh, you know not giving up and not letting uh, adversity get in the way of potential success?
3: Well, I mean, I there's no like credit that needs to be. I mean, I I have always tried to just advocate for any person's individual. Uh, any individual pursuit that they have for whatever their goal is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stay here and be like, you know, I, I did this thing that makes me great or makes me uh, uh w- why I was able to do it. I think it just has a lot to do with, you know, if you want to, if you want something and you really want to, to, to not feel held back or held down by a, by a circumstance. I, I think I've always subscribed to the idea that, I I never want to be seen as somebody who's a who's a victim to a, a circumstance or who's a who's a who's a victim of my situation and 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 you know it's like there's you know I I I did a I did a head talk last year about how I think there's two different types of people in the world and I think one of them is I think it it's 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 seen in how they respond to you know when you walk you, you you try to walk into a building and, and the door is a pull but you but you push and you run right into the door. Usually there's two types of reactions from people when you see that happen. Usually someone will get really angry, they'll get upset and they'll blame the door and they are like, Oh, and then they and then they go inside. And then another person will stop and kinda of like laugh at themselves and be like, Oh, oh, it's a it's a it's a pull, right? And then they figure it out or whatever. And I would always try to advocate just looking at things through that through that, that, that latter type because it's it it's just you can never you never want to get so caught up in your own circumstance that you're just you're you're playing the blame game where you're just going around and being like oh there's this or there's this thing. Uh, I was able to do what I did truly because of the strength of my family, the strength of you know re- the universe, religion, circumstances that all could be that that are that are that are much much greater than I am that that really um, you know kind of set the stage for for why I was able to to just kind of. Continue to be self-aware, be self-deprecating, and still be uh, self-advocating for what it is that I for what it is that I still wanted to do, which is to say to people, you know, I still have a voice. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to let the limitations of one thing shut me down entirely as a person. I still have ideas. I um, and uh, you know, sometimes it can end up being a, a blessing in disguise, and you might not know that at the time. And I certainly didn't. I, I went through a lot of stages of grief of being angry and sad and broken and frustrated and morose and all those words. But, you know, realistically, it was a blessing because uh, it my injury taught me how to, to write. It taught me that how to write a joke and how to, like, you know, how important it was to uh, have word economy so people could pay attention to, to not have any excess fat on anything that you want to say in a joke so there's just little positives that you can look for when you're trying to get to that end destination
4: drew what exactly well i guess how should i phrase it well i guess two-part question what is your favorite type of comedy to do when when i say that is it about when you're talking about is it religion is it personal you know just kind of where you like to veer off to and then how long does it take you to write basically a script for yourself. And then how long do you usually kind of run with that before you have to change things
3: up? Sure. Um, well, I try to, I'll, I'll answer the second thing first, just because I think it's easier. I, I usually try to have a new 45 minutes of to an hour of material every year, um, every year to a year and a half. I know some of the greats like, you know, uh, Carlin and Louie and Chris Rock and these guys, like they, they ended up, you know, kind of pushing themselves to have about a, a new hour, new forty-five minutes to an hour um, every year, and uh, I kind of try to hold myself to the same um, standard. That way, I can come back to a lot of these markets, like in Wichita, and have uh, have people see something completely different. And then to answer your first thing, uh, I mean the the. I, I I always found, have found that the comedy that resonates the most with other people is the comedy that's the most sincere with me at that time. And so when I first started out doing stand-up, I was talking a lot about my stutter. I was talking a lot about my injury. And because that was what was honest for me at that time and sincere with what I was going through. You know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've – I've I've kind of um, transitioned away from those types of things to maybe larger ideas of like, you know, like during during the pandemic, there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things like socially, politically, whatever. And I'm not usually somebody that gets, you know, too in the weeds on that type of thing. But I did feel like it was it, it warranted commentary. So that was when I kind of weighed in on that, because that's what was honest at that time. And now, you know, I've been I've been married for a year. I love my wife and my uh, dynamic, and I love our, our friendship. We have loads of frustration, but it's never real. It's never real, like, like actual uh, with of arguments of, of malice or anything like that. It's all just silly, kind of, you know, frustrated type of things, and um, that's what's honest. And I think that the people who end up coming to see my show always know that it's an ever-evolving thing and – the show that i the show that i do is always interactive as far as like i want every single performance to feel individual to that audience i want them to leave being like there's no way anything that happened tonight in terms of him addressing stuff in the crowd or the town he's in or wherever could be recreated in 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 in, in any way because that's what's important to um keep growing and trying to keep it ex- expanding on whatever you're delivering during a show
2: All right, excellent stuff. The Short King Tour, Drew Lynch, coming to Wichita Wednesday, March 6th at the Orpheum downtown. It's been our pleasure. You have a great story to tell. Uh, We didn't really get into the comedy of all this, but uh, I'll ask you this. When did you first know you were funny?
3: Um, I haven't made anybody laugh in my whole life, Bob, so I'm hoping that March 6th, (laughs) I can't even. That's going to be it. It might be. It might be the day, dude. I, I, I don't know, man. I might wear a tux. I, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to see if it happens.
2: <laughs> well, there. You made me laugh, so you're now funny. Thank you. Thank you, Drew.
3: Thank you, and thank you for blessing me. I appreciate that. You guys have enjo- uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island